You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 73, Spider-Man Far From Home and Midsummer. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 73 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Patrick. Greetings, Brian. So, we have a bit of news today, a lot of rumors that are circulating around, because next week, of course, is San Diego Comic-Con. Comic-Con! And so, there's some news about what we may expect coming out of Comic-Con, and I did happen to catch a couple of movies over the Mm -hmm. the last week that we can uh, talk about. First of all, we do have a couple memorials to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, July 9th was rough because we lost two people on July 9th. First, of course, being Rip Torn. Most people, I think most of the Geek Watchers will know him from Agent Zed. Men in mm-hmm. Black. Yep. Yeah. Chief Zed. Of course, he was on the Larry Sanders show. He, he won Emmy Awards, Cable Ace Awards. He co-starred with David Bowie in The Man Who Fell to Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the CEO of OCP in RoboCop 3. Oh. Of course, he was the voice of Zeus in uh, mm-hmm. Disney's Hercules. Hercules yeah. So, <laughs> of course, he, he will definitely be missed. We also lost a great character actor, Freddie Jones, uh, who had, of course, been acting for decades. He's, he was in uh, dozens of films, but, of course, for the Geek Watchers, some of the things that you might be more familiar with him. Uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, The Satanic Rites of Dracula, he was in Krull, Firestarter, he was in Dune, Uh he was a voice in uh, The Black Cauldron, he was in Young Sherlock Holmes, and of course a lot of other things as well. He was amazing. David Lynch loved using him. Mm -hmm, Uh, Sounds like. And he was uh, an amazing character actor, played a lot of different roles, and he passed away also Mm. uh, July 9th, so... Before we get started on some news, you were talking before the podcast. You ran into a, there was a podcast you're listening to now that you just discovered. Yeah, just discovered it. I was, you know, going through hours and I was listening to one of my other podcasts and a commercial for this podcast came up that said uh, Marvel and Stitcher present Wolverine. So, of course, I immediately paused everything and went and looked up Wolverine, downloaded the entire first season and binged it in like two days. Season one is Marvel and Stitcher presents Wolverine, The Long Night. And it stars Richard Armitage as Wolverine. And he's a, a British actor. He he was in BBC's Robin Hood. He was the main dwarf in The Hobbit. You know, come to Bilbo's house and they're like, come on an adventure with us. Right. He played him and he does such a good job. It's a mystery. It's a great story. And... Oh, I wish I could remember off the top of my head who wrote it, but uh, his last name is Percy. James Percy, maybe, but it's a great story. They've done such a good job adapting it to this medium. You don't even notice that they're really, you know, describing everything around them. And <laughs> wow. well, look at these pictograms. And so it's such a good, uh, good story, good Wolverine tale. I-, I think they did a great job and definitely check it out. Yeah, the way you were describing it, it mm-hmm. sounds like it's a callback to the old radio dramas. Yes, very, very much so. Yes, absolutely. So you have uh, you have narration, you have acting, you have sound effects, and all. And Foley all artists, yep. Uh huh. And at the end of each episode, they say no animals were harmed. 
Uh, some people maybe, but mm-hmm. the animals are perfectly safe. So that yeah, that's definitely going to be worth a check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- thanks for the tip on that because yep. I definitely want to. Uh, if you work like I do and you're just typing all day long, you have to listen to something. Right. And so I I listen to podcasts and audiobooks all day long. Sometimes music, but so I can get podcasts and books done pretty fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, any place where you go into podcast, wherever you're listening to uh, right uh, the Geek Watch podcast, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Check it out. So a bunch of some Disney stuff has come out. Uh, Disney announced uh, they've cast Ariel in their live action Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. And it's not the person you think it is. It's not Halle Berry. No. (laughs) It's Halle Bailey. Bailey. Mm -hmm. So I promised myself I I wasn't going to go into this. (laughs) I'm not going to discuss the fact that, well, she's... She's African-American, and some people don't like that. The whiny, racist white people? I'm, I'm not going to mention that. Not gonna talk I'm, I'm that. not going to okay. talk about how people are saying that it's scientifically impossible for a mermaid to be black. You know what? It is. It's also scientifically impossible for them to be Caucasian. Yeah. It's scientifically impossible for them to be skinny. Well, uh, it's, yes. sci- it's scientifically impossible for them to be both mammal and fish. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's mm-hmm. a mythical creature. Oh, yeah. I've had long discussions about mermaids. Like, for one thing, if the mermaids were real, they wouldn't have scales. They would be more like a dolphin. They would have slicky skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would be more like dolphins, more like killer whales. And so we'd have to have a lot of blubber to be able to, to survive the cold of the water. So no mermaids are going to be pretty and skinny with flat stomachs. That's not going to happen. So you know, yeah. If we're gonna if we're gonna go scientific, if mermaids were real, this is what they would be like. They would not be pretty. Well, to be honest, uh, I mean, I do have some problems with uh, with the story in the fact that it is not authentic. In the fact that Ariel is not going to drag the prince down to the bottom of the ocean to drown like real mermaids are supposed to do. Right. So of course that. That completely upsets me. And I don't know. Sarcasm that, fingers yeah. up, of and course. I don't know if you've seen it. There is a Swedish version of The Little Mermaid where her father, his presents for his daughters are wrecked ships. And so he wrecks a ship for his daughter and she feels bad about it for the prince. So that's why she saves him. It was a really interesting take on the story. And yeah. um, it's really the way they did the special effects. This was like um, maybe 60s or 70s. And they did slow mo with fans so that people were moving under the water. Right. It, it was really, it was a really interesting movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to go on another rant. Um, <laughs> I think you can pretty much imagine what I'd have to say about this. So, just imagine me saying it. And <laughs> God, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let this one go for now because I, I just can't. I just, I, I just can't right now. <laughs> But speaking of Disney, they just released a teaser trailer for Mulan. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Uh, Was that amazing? My goodness, what they've done with this. I mean, it has become like more epic than it was. You know, it's it's like watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's what I'm what I'm looking at. House of Flying Daggers. I mean, this is way to go. The battle scenes are just yeah, I mean, Flooring. definitely. You look at this. It's it, not saying that that the animated the animated movie was didn't have a, an epic level mm-hmm, to it. It did, but wow! I mean, when you see this live action, and I mean, it's li- it's legit live action. It's not Lion King animated no, live uh-uh. action. This is you know real deal. But it looks like they're really doubling down on a lot of the themes of of the original. 
And so this may be one, mm-hmm. you know, what we've had these discussions before, not just between you and I, but, mm-hmm. you know, with our friends about the validity of just doing live action versions of all the animated stuff. But I think Mulan might actually work mm-hmm. on this. It just, it seems so much grander and so much bigger. Like, okay, well, let's take Aladdin, for example. Right. There are parts of that movie where I feel it was smaller than it was in the animated film. The Prince Ali song, The Entrance into the City, it seems such smaller scale than it did in the animated film. But in this Mulan, it just seems so much bigger and so much, I don't know, it's like, I, I feel like I'm there in the battles and um, yeah. everyone has a face and everyone has character and it looks like they did extensive fight training. So it looks fantastic. Yeah, I think they're really going to double down on the story with this one. And I think it's going to be, even if you've seen the animated movie, I think that this is going to be something that you don't want to miss. And so, I mean, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Also going into uh, not Disney films, but let's go to Warner brothers for a minute. Um, But uh, they have greenlit Sherlock Holmes three, but they've announced that Mm -hmm. rocket man director, uh, Dexter Fletcher is going to be taking over for Guy Ritchie. Uh-huh. Not only that. What's oh. the big news? Oh, go ahead and tell me. Go ahead and say. <laughs> it's going to be in the Wild Wild West. Oh. Did, <laughs> you didn't know that? I didn't know oh, that. Oh, my goodness. So we're getting Sherlock Holmes on the range. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to have Sherlock Holmes in America. And, yeah, it's with cowboys. You know, maybe he meets Wyatt Earp. I don't know. I'm just really Really excited about well, that, that. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I didn't know more about it than that. But uh, So what has that director done besides? He's done a little bit of action stuff. I'm trying to remember exactly. I mean, I remember him mostly for, for Rocket Man, which just mm-hmm. came out, of course. Oh, okay. All right. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking Rocketeer. Oh, okay. I heard Rocket Man. I did. Right. But I was thinking Rocketeer. Yeah, so. yeah the Elton John biopic. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, so we will, I guess we'll see when they get a trailer out. Uh, hopefully that'll be uh, sometime yeah, soon. Yeah, and it's been so long since we've had a an episode of Sherlock. So maybe Robert Downey Jr. will will get to uh, come out from being the other Sherlock. Yep, <laughs> there you go. Well, I am going to a, another little piece of uh, Warner Brothers news. Uh, the uh, Todd Phillips, who is directing the new Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. yep. he did an interview in... In Empire Magazine, I'm just going to read the quote. What he said was, we didn't follow anything from the comic books talking about the Joker movie, which people are going to be mad about. We just wrote our own version of where a guy like Joker might come from. That's what was interesting to me. We're not even doing Joker, but the story of becoming Joker. It's about this man. And so some people have gone up in arms about this, saying, Mm -hmm. well, you know, why are you going to call this Joker if it's not really a Joker movie? It's just some guy who's putting on clown makeup, and it's like, well, this could possibly be how a Joker could happen, but it's there's nothing in the comic books and, and things like that, which, from looking at the trailer, I'm not sure that's 100% true, because it looks like we've got Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne, so there's some stuff in there mm-hmm. from the comics. And I don't know the wisdom of a director doing an interview saying, oh, people are going to hate it. Mm, yeah, I'm, that may have been a bad idea. I can understand why you might be, especially if uh, you've seen how fans can sometimes go up. You know, they can mm-hmm. they can get really upset when something is not exactly what they expected or whatever. And I think it's I think it's a good idea to say, hey, look, this is going to be something different. But to just flat out say, well, the fans are going to hate it. 
Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Maybe just let the fans decide for themselves at that point, you know, and don't apologize when you're before you're you've done something wrong. So, um, okay, who wrote The Man Who Laughs? Was that Victor Hugo? Yeah. Okay. So it's okay to take the idea of a character and be inspired by that character. Right. So of course they were inspired by the man who laughs in the novel to make the Joker. So Exactly. Why is it not okay for someone to have the idea of the Joker and then, you know, to have their own take on it? Well, then we get something we get something new. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I can I'm, understand why other people aren't, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, if I, if they were going here, tell me, oh, we're doing a, a complete Joker story, and you go into it, and that's not what you get. I can understand being upset about that. But again, I think this goes back to how fandom can be sometimes when you know you feel like you own something; it's a part of your life, and you don't get it exactly the way you wanted it. You know, that it can be upsetting. And I, I get that. But I think under the circumstance, I'm, and especially, you know, we have Martin Scorsese producing this. You know it's going to be solid. And I, I say give the movie a shot. You're going into an understanding. It's not going to be exactly from the comics, Joker. But I say, you know, give it a, give it a shot. It's going to be an interesting take on that character. It's going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. And since they're being upfront about it, I don't think... Uh, you know, I don't think that's anything to be upset about. They're they're being honest about it right up front. You know, give it a give it a shot, and uh, we'll see uh, how good it is uh, when it comes out. So, let's talk a little bit of some rumors about uh, Comic Con because, okay. of course, Marvel's uh, Marvel has a ninety minute panel in Hall H. <laughs> uh, I'm, there was talk about you know who was going to be there this year and who wasn't. And of course, Marvel's kind of leaned out of of doing Hall H and, and Comic-Con because, of course, they have their own D23 convention that they mm-hmm. do. So some of the rumors that, we're, that we've been hearing about this 90-minute panel, one is that they may have a trailer for Black Widow Okay. at the panel. So, of course, that's going to be some hustle because they're going to have to put special effects in, and usually that's that could be very expensive. But there have been so many rumors circulating around about Black Widow and uh, what this movie is going to be about, because, of course, if, if you've seen uh, Endgame, you know that that's put some complications on mm-hmm. <laughs> like what a movie will just say if you don't know what I'm, we're talking about. I mean, you probably do. But just in case there's the one or two people that are holding out and mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet. But uh, certainly there's were some complications and there's a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation about exactly what this movie may be about. And so we may get some information about the film if they come out with a trailer. At least maybe they might uh, wind up talking about it. So something else uh, that uh, I saw in the rumor mill was that uh, John Wick creator Derek uh, Kolstad has been hired on as a writer for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show that they're Ooh. doing on Disney+. Plus. Okay. So that gives you an idea of kind of the tone and theme that they're they're going for uh, in this. So certainly should be uh, some action-packed stuff. Another piece of information I got back on the movie side of things is that Stranger Things star Millie Bobby Brown may have been hired to be part of the new Eternals film. So that's that's a rumor. We mm-hmm. it's not been confirmed yet, but if that's the case, you'll be joining. Angelia Jolie, uh, Kumail Nanjianti, Richard Madden, uh, Selma Hayek. Wow. And so that's going to be a, a solid piece of yeah, work. Yeah. So 
Of course, if she is being brought into the film, I'm, there's no telling what role she's going to be playing. Mm-hmm. But of course, the Eternals, of course, being a race of humans that were experimented on and augmented by the Celestials, which you've seen the Celestials, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, they talk about well, the Celestials. Mm-hmm. But they created the Eternals. They also created a sort of a villainous version of the Eternals known as the Deviants. And so they're superheroes, but they're almost godlike with their abilities. Basically, they're, again, augmented humans. So maybe we'll get some news from Comic-Con. Well, definitely Comic-Con, they're, they're wanting to, to talk about Phase 4 and what we what we can expect. So mm-hmm. going uh, Disney, but, uh, but off of Marvel, uh, the StarWars.com just released a picture from um, Episode 9. Uh, these crimson red stormtroopers. Yeah. The Seth, uh, they call them Seth troopers. The very, um, I don't know, Corvette red. Yeah. <laughs> Corvette red stormtroopers. It's shiny, automotive looking red. Yeah. So apparently force sensitive Sith soldiers, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, they call them Sith troopers. I mean, uh, I don't know much more about that because, of course, they haven't been saying anything, but, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe they're better shots. I don't know. <laughs> That's why they, they're red. If they actually shed blood, they get red, red there you suits. Go. Mm. Well, yeah, the, the Deadpool rule. Uh, we're red, you know, yes. so, they, so the they bad can't guys can't take, you can't mm-hmm. bleeding. So <laughs> I figure in Comic-Con, they're going to be talking Star Wars, too, so that you can get an idea of, uh, you know, get excited about uh, this December. And so... Um, of course, like I said, they released that one picture, and uh, we may hear more as as time goes on. And so, let's talk a couple of movies that I saw that I saw over the weekend. I did get to see Spider Man Far From Home. Yay! And oh boy, that was fun. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was going to be a rough movie to to follow Endgame with, mm-hmm. and I I wondered what they were going to be able to do to. Uh, uh, to follow it, because, of course, it was supposed to be, uh, they said it's the last movie of Phase 3. And, wow, I, I have to say, it, you really get a feel of what the world is like after what the, they call it the blip. The blip. The okay. blip. People when blipped everyone... it, when everybody left and mm-hmm. then came back. Okay. And the way that they fill people in on what happened during the blip, I thought was uh, very clever, because they have... Uh, the high school, they have like a, a news report, you know, mm-hmm. they do their uh, student news and all of that. Right. So, like I said, I don't want to go into a whole lot of details about it because if you've not, of course, if you've not seen it, you you definitely want to check it out. But honestly, they really, they really kind of doubled down on the fact that Peter Parker's a teenager, you know, he has to deal with teenage issues. Mm-hmm. And a part of Spider-Man has always been in the comics, being able to have that balance of having to the requirements and the duties of being a hero, but also trying to be a, a human being at the same time and have a life. And this movie is all about that is, you know, one is not wanting at that point to, to be the hero who who wants to just basically be a kid and hang out with his friends and, and enjoy Europe and not getting, you know, having to kind of deal with uh, all these demands that are being made mm-hmm. on him by Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, wondering if he has what it takes to be that hero. And I mean, this is stuff that's out of the trailer. I don't figure mm-hmm. that's that's spoilers no, at all. But, and I got to tell you, Jake Gyllenhaal, perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect mm-hmm. as Mysterio. And 
a lot of the explanations, I, I, I'll tell you this because, and I don't think this is going to be much of a spoiler either, because I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but how they explained Mysterio, I thought was extremely clever. And there's a lot of callbacks to stuff that in some of the earlier movies that you're like, oh, that's this. Huh, okay. There's a, there's some things from, from some of the Marvel movies uh, that you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fantastic. You get those callbacks and a, a lot of the the motivation for a lot of things that happen, I think, are, I don't think they, this was necessarily planned. It, it really felt that way. But it was mm-hmm. like, there's was, there was stuff in there they, that the screenwriters looked at and were like, oh, that would be cool if we just brought that into into this <laughs> yeah. and, and, and developed this. Uh-huh. So it, to me, it's it's hilarious how they basically took something that and they were able to put it together so that it looked like they had planned it the whole time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we 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 knew this was going to happen. A bit, a bit from the page of the Matt Grenning book. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, not saying that maybe they didn't plan something somewhere, uh, because of course, you know, Marvel they have plans upon plans. Yeah. But I ha- I just have a feeling that they they went back into the catalog and went, oh, hey, we could do this. <laughs> Yeah, we could develop this that really was just sort of this minor thing that happened that we can now turn into this major storyline. Okay. So that <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's that's just cool. That's just, that's just awesome. I really enjoyed it. Of course, it's doing extremely well in the, in the theaters. And uh, it's, it's one of those things you definitely want to check out uh, in theaters if you've not had a chance to see it. And like I said, it's, it really is a fitting ending to phase three. I was worried going into it that it might be, it would kind of mention Phase 3 a little bit, but that it would might possibly get overshadowed by Endgame. But I enjoyed uh, Far From Home better than uh, than Homecoming. I think wow. I, I think it really, it really stepped up its game, and it certainly stepped up things for Spider-Man. And I'll tell you this, one thing that it really stepped up, I don't know if people out there know this, but sometimes Marvel movies have end, end credit scenes. <laughs> Besides the fact that, uh, of course, in the first Iron Man movie, the end credit scene set up the entire cinematic universe and the Avengers specifically. Since then, I, a lot of the end credit scenes give you little snippets of things, but they don't like upend people's lives. No plot points, or yeah, this is a major one. Okay, this is this is certainly something that if you don't if you miss it, you've missed something because. Ooh. Spider-Man's life completely changes because of this end credit scene. Changes in a huge, massive way that it's going to be what the entire next movie is about. There's no way that it couldn't be. Okay. It's a massive, huge end credit scene. And it's shocking as all get out. And um, then there's a a, a funnier little scene at the uh, after that one, uh, at the end credits, which... Uh, is a callback to another Marvel, uh, we'll say another Marvel film that, uh, and some other things too. Like I said, I don't want to really go into details. Uh, if you want the details and you don't want to go see the movie, go check it out online. Yeah. I'm sure it's out mm-hmm. there somewhere. But it builds up some things for uh, for Nick Fury, we'll say, and some things that uh, we've only seen in the comics. So even though it's a kind of a, it, it's silly and just to some points, it builds the Marvel universe up to it in a, in a huge way. And it's expanding the reach of the Marvel universe. So definitely, um, yeah, stay for the credits. I don't know why I have to keep saying that, but, uh, yeah, stay, stay for the credits. So, <laughs> uh, the other movie that I saw this week and, uh, we talked, of course we talked about this last week, Midsommar. Ooh. 
And like I said in the last podcast, I was a little worried about going to see this film because I remember Ari Aster's, uh, his first feature film, Hereditary. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for an experience like that again. <laughs> but it was a different experience. It, uh, one thing I can definitely say about Midsummer, and this is going to be spoiler free as well, because de- you definitely do not want to know uh, what's going on in this film. Although, let's be honest, if you're a horror fan the ending's not going to be that much of a surprise to you okay if you've seen the trailer you're like i know where this is going for, and, and for the most part you will know what this is where this is going okay. but one thing i can say about this this is not the relentless death march that hereditary was <laughs> hereditary there's nothing funny about this movie at all there's no change in mood it just it goes bad then worse then worse then worse and in midsummer there's some tone shifts and so you it's more of a nuanced film, I would say. Uh, when it gets bad, it's it's horrendous. But uh, there are moments where you you get a chance to breathe, where in uh, Hereditary, you just didn't <laughs> at all. But uh, there are moments where you can kind of back off and, and, and relax a little bit and, and get, your, get your footing to some degree. One thing I can definitely say about this film, it's one of those rare films, I think, that where... And which I think good art does and and most art doesn't is that you realize that there's an audience watching you or experiencing you and you take that into account and you're talking to an audience. You're not just telling a story that audiences are just bystanders to. You think about the audience and what they're coming into the movie with, you know, their own thought processes and their own, you know, experiences and being able to play off of those expectations in a weird way, and like I said, I, I want to really avoid spoilers uh, as much as possible, but it's not as much a horror film as it is a movie that's using horror tropes to tell a story. If you've seen Ari Aster's movies, any of his stuff, his short films or Hereditary, one thing you know is this guy knows how to shoot a scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, Midsummer, gorgeous. Absolutely a beautiful film start to finish. Even in its ugly parts, it's beautiful it's gorgeous and there's a lot of symbolism in it there's a lot of meaning like i said it's it's saying a lot more than than you might think going into it there's a lot of talk about grief there's a lot of talk about letting go empathy plays a huge part in this film which you know surprised me but it it talks about relationships and it talks about dealing with death and grief and thing and like i said the horror stuff hits and like I said, if you're a horror fan, yeah, I, I get that some of the stuff you're you're going to see coming, but I don't think that's really the point. I think the point of it really is that if you have experience with horror films, you know what's coming. That allows them to tell a, a particular story and use that as the framework to tell this story. But yeah, it has a lot to say about relationships. And one thing I can definitely say about the film is that if I was at a girlfriend's house and she wants to hang out and she wants to play Midsummer, I know that our relationship's about to end <laughs> and it's probably my fault. Uh, it's like, okay, I, I message received loud and clear. I'm sorry. I screwed up bad. <laughs> like I said, I, I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail, but one thing I, I definitely want to say, Mandy, is I know horror movies aren't your thing. But I would, I would 100%. I don't care how I got to get you in a theater. I will buy you as many tickets as you need to get in there. 
I because I absolutely want to talk to you about this film. Okay. I know you don't know that much. <laughs> this is a conversation I desperately want to have with you. Okay. Just because of Ooh. your viewpoints on on certain things. I, I really would really enjoy getting your take on this movie. Okay. Um, that might be something we do on an, uh, another podcast is go into a spoiler review of it because mm-hmm. I, to be honest with you, because of how deep this movie runs, I think you, we could do an entire podcast on Midsummer. Okay. Huh. And because of the fact that there are certain tropes that it uses uh, to tell story, but there are also tropes that it uh, that it plays with. For example, of course, they're in northern Sweden, and this is a summer solstice celebration that they're having. And because of that, because it's far north as they are, the sun never sets. Mm-hmm. It gets a little bit dimmer, but around that time of the year, of course, just like you know, we were talking about in the Wolverine, where Alaska, and- Alaska, mm-hmm. and you know, there's that point in, in where it's dark and and the sun doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. Um, this entire the movie takes place, you know, in this commune in in Sweden, and they're you know they're celebrating the summer solstice, and the sun doesn't go down, so it's like it gets a little bit dim, but the sun never goes away, and so. Everything that happens takes place in the sunlight. There's no night scenes, really, because there's no night. There was the um, Robert De Niro and Robin Williams movie. Oh, yeah, Insomnia. Yeah, yeah, where the they were in Alaska and the sun never went down. Right. Yeah. And the thing about it also is that because of the fact that, you know, that this community is used to this period in the summer solstice where the sun never goes down, and this, of course, this period in the winter where the sun never comes up. Right. So the cycles of life are a huge part of their belief system and how they, you know, how they see the world and and really does play into it. I mean, again, you know, you have a situation where they're basically celebrating life. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, if you're familiar with uh, The Wicker Man, mm-hmm. you kind of know how that can go bad. <laughs> and one thing I, I'll definitely say is that uh, Ari Aster, he already said that uh, Wicker Man, both the movies, the, the original and the remake were... Mm-hmm. Inspiration. inspirations okay. for this movie of course they were and yeah i mean there there's, there's one place in particular uh, and i'm not the biggest fan of the of the remake mm-hmm. because uh, nicholas cage he, he just he just chewed the scenery up maybe a little <laughs> bit too much in mm-hmm. that movie but there's a nicholas cage reference in this movie that <laughs> i just went well done well okay done. that's well well played sir i i see what you're doing there that's that's hilarious so and I'm sure if you've seen that movie, when you see, you'll see the scene, and it's toward the end, you'll be like, "Okay, yeah, I get it, mm-hmm. I, I get it." So, but in some ways, like I said, if you, you're a horror movie fan, you, you'll probably know where this is going. Although I have to say that the ending, there's a little bit because of the story that they're telling, it's a maybe a little bit different than what you're going to expect. It's a, a minor thing will happen that that might surprise you a little bit, but yeah, the way this movie ends, wow. <laughs> Yeah, Mandy, I I definitely want to talk to you about this movie when you get a chance to see it. So we'll make that happen. Mm -hmm. We definitely have to make that happen. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 73 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. 
for links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.